If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Hello there, welcome to today's podcast. Now, this is a podcast that I I have to admit um, I did for completely selfish reasons. Uh, This is for garden lovers and uh, for many... um, Uh, people who are challenged by gardening, certainly in Australia where we suffer from a lack of water, uh, uh, we are drawn to dry gardening and the master gardener, David Glenn of Lamley, he is, um, he, he really is just the complete expert on this particular subject and for a long time I have been following uh, David's catalogue and I just really wanted to go to Lamley Nursery, which is in Ascot, and I thought, well, while I'm there, I'll do a little, I'll do a little chat. That'll give me an excuse to go there. Uh, I'm really glad that I drove there for you because it is a, a fair way out at Ascot. I thought maybe I would have the chance to do a 10-minute walk around the garden with David, but he was so generous with his time, and and hopefully he was able to. Uh, appreciate from me that I'm I was just genuinely interested I had 101 questions and when we actually sat down for a cup of tea uh, we had some morning tea together which you are going to hear loud and clear because there's a (laughs) there's some there's some plates crashing and anyway anyway when we went into his beautiful home to to have our tea and chat he introduced me to his wife, the famous artist, Chris Canning. Well, lo and behold, Chris and David sat down to do a chat. Between you and me, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I was kind of nervous when I sat down to chat and I introduced him as David Lamley and he goes, "Uh, excuse me, it's actually David Glenn. I was like, oh yeah, of course, of course. So I had to restart the whole thing. Anyway, that's all by the by. I hope hope that you you love this chat really it's about um, it's about natural beauty it's about a, a love of travel and it just gives some of us black-thumbed gardeners some hope that uh, we can achieve beauty in our surroundings I hope you get the chance to go to to Ascot and see the garden for yourself but in the meantime enjoy our little chat together I'm here with David Glenn of Lamley's Nursery and his beautiful bride, Chris Canning, and we are here at Lamley's Nursery. When yeah. I arrived, I see, and, and I see in your catalogue, nothing but glory. It, I know how hard it is, but it appears today to be um, lush and bountiful. What was it like when you first spotted it? Well, the house was nearly derelict and the land had been leased to potato farmers for 20, 30 years. And the only plants were growing was in, in, around the house here. It was whorehound, paddy melon, two or three species of thistles, uh, salsa. Weeds, yeah. yeah. And, and the, we, we own the paddock to the north and there was a weed there which we call Wood King Henry in England. 
<laughs> David, I was all prepared to ask you all of these different gardening questions today um, uh, and, and uh, to learn more about the dry garden and, and, and to, to ask about what I've begun, the, the education via your catalogues. But I've turned up and I feel like I've hit the jackpot because Chris is here as well. So I have to, I have to open up the questions to you as well, Chris. I am dying to know, you two really do strike me as a couple of romantics. Um, <laughs> how did you two meet? We met when um, I, a friend of mine had worked for David and um, she said, I must come and meet David and get some flowers to paint. Perfect. So, which is what I did, got the flowers to paint and um, he wouldn't allow me to pay for them. And then I said, well, please come and have a look at the painting when it's finished. And um, he didn't come. And I thought, oh, okay. Oh. And uh, <laughs> Why not? I, <laughs> he's English. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then I bumped into him in the mist at the post office at Olinda and um, saw him coming up the path. So my direction changed to his direction. And I said, oh, you must come. I offered again and this time he did come and his comment was when he walked into the studio oh my god you really can paint yeah. I'm in shock I'm in shock <laughs> anyway so um then he uh, continued to come and bring flowers every oh. second day to my house <laughs> oh that's like a lot <laughs> to my house like a florist shop and people were asking questions <laughs> I love that. So, so you went to get the flowers and you got the guy. I got the guy. I love it. I mean, how lucky. And, and now you have become quite the dynamic duo and working so beautifully, symbiotically well, together. Yeah. It, 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 a lot of people say that to us, um, that it's a really almost perfect sort of combination because what we both do has these really beautiful crossovers. Mm. And um, so we have an awful lot to talk about and in common, but both with very distinct working um, areas. And I gather you both inspire and challenge each other. Is that right? Yeah, I think we do. And I think we both, um, we both trust each other's opinion about the different things we do. David mentioned to me that there was um, an homage uh, a garden that was like an homage to Giverny that I think was a challenge that, that you set him and that you have such a different way of looking at things almost as a still life and an, an immediate image where you set the challenge and he's like, I'm going to have to really work for this now. <laughs> Is that right? Well, I, I guess um, as a painter, like you have very strong visual sort of um, eye mm. and so... It, it, to me, it's actually quite like painting, mm. Um, mm. looking at gardens and garden design. Uh, it's still about a lot of the same things. It's about structure and shapes and colour and uh, contrasts. It's about many of the things, if you go into the studio, that you're thinking about in creating an artwork. It's not often that you will be with a living artist whose work is so appreciated in their lifetime, dare I say it. What's that like for you, Chris? I mean, you're obviously, you've been lucky in love, you live in a beautiful environment, you're able to, to find your joy with your painting, but people really love what you're producing. How does that feel as an artist? Look, I, I count myself as 
really blessed and I don't use that word lightly. Mm. I think um, this is a long and difficult path to do creative work. And people see me now and think, okay, oh wow, how amazing, how fortunate, blah, blah. But, you know, I've been doing this 55 years. <laughs> during that 55 years, I was a single mother, really a single mother with no support, like no partner giving me money to help me through. It was bloody tough, basically. Mm. And I painted on through all of that and like as my children said one day to me when I was crying and thinking this is too hard I'm going to give up you know mummy you'll die if you don't paint mm. and so the children probably recognized how important it was for me to mm. be happy mm. you know to be myself I had to paint and so now here I am after a long time a lot of very hard work um, and I'm at a point where I feel very, very fortunate, mm. and and I've I never ever take it for granted. And as life has evolved, and and life certainly here in Australia and many other parts of the world, because you have people from all over the world coming to to the gardens. Um, they they source the the catalogue as well, and they 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 learn from um, from both. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a sign of the times, I suppose, that it's come into its own because now we're all having to look towards um, to, to dry gardens too. Whether in your, you're in New Zealand, whether you're in France, yes. uh, all of us are going, okay, okay, we're, we're searching for that education. So, so how do you begin the education? What, what's your advice for those of us learning? Well, the first advice is to not buy a plant until you've got the soil right. So prepare this. The, the, the soil preparation is essential because although they dry climate plants and they come from really tough areas in the wild, they still are happiest to have some depth of soil and some humus in the soil because the humus acts as a sort of like a blotted paper. Um, it not only does it help to maintain the moisture, it helps to maintain the air pores in the soil so the roots can go down. If the soil gets compacted, the roots will tend to go under the mulch. Mm -hmm. And then you get the dry weather and they curl up their toes. Mm -hmm. and just one point about this dry, this dry gardening. It's, uh, we, we're not just using cactuses and gum trees. Yes. Yeah. We're using plants that are really beautiful. And they have to, that's the, it, they have to be dry climate plants, obviously, but they have to be beautiful dry climate plants. They've got to make Chris's standard too. Yeah, they've got to make, <laughs> yes. so, so we, and also we don't want them to just survive we want them to look like they're enjoying it. I know from the catalogue, I love reading uh, tiny details of the backstories, the history for the plants, and the plants aren't just indigenous, so to speak, or they're mm. not just Australian. I love the fact that they're sourced from crazy places all over the world. How do you source those plants? It's more difficult now than when I first started because we had a quarantine house and we could bring the plants in and put them through quarantine. Now, because there's a, a disease overseas called xylella, it's difficult to bring, mm. bring plants in. So we're tending now to bring seed in, which is allowed to come in, as long as it's clean seed, and as long as it's species that the quarantine department says it's okay to bring in, you can bring it in. Even if it's a variety of the species, you can bring it in. 
So what we do then is get seed of, say, uh, say an English salvia, say like a legbia, which is a good mm. example, and we raise that here, and then we select the best one. Want more travel in your day? Well then, join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. Uh, I do just have to ask about the catalogue. I find the catalogues, I, I save my catalogues. Sometimes we've got Chris's uh, paintings in there. I love the photos because I can reference the photos. Yeah. Um, tell me about putting that catalogue together because I, I enjoy reading it. And what's mm. it like for you? Are, you? are you thinking about, you, what are you thinking about when you put it together? Well, I read lots of catalogues and most of them bore me. Yeah. Bore me yeah. because they'll, they'll, they'll use algebra, you know, say... SP five three four two, you know, and I think, what does that mean? You know, so you're I'm constantly got, turning pages, back. referring. So I want yeah. it so that people read it and get a picture of of, of what it does, how high it grows, and and whether it wants sun or shade or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm I'm fortunate to have Pat, who's um, works for me, who loves taking photographs. Mm. I I had an old Minolta, fifties Minolta, and once that stopped working. <laughs> I really haven't taken photographs, so... But you don't have to, because you've, you've got and Chris a team. Does, Chris yeah. does, too. I do. Chris does a walk in the garden uh, in the evening and takes photographs, and then we put on our webpage saying, Chris Canning's walking the garden. Mm. And that's always exciting. Yes. Because to, Chris sees it from a different eye. Yes. And you'd say, when, and also when um, Claire Takax, who's the photographic garden, was in a book called... Australian dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. She takes the photographs, and I think, yeah, it's interesting, you know, because she, I love that take. You know, yeah. She, yeah, and she's she's seen that, and and it's not how I've seen it. Mm. And then and then they'll take the photograph of the garden from a certain no, and I'll go back there and then look at the garden from that angle. So yeah, it's in your most recent catalogue, um, I was delighted to hear about uh, your son working overseas in uh, the UK. Yeah. Specifically, um, you were talking about the wildflowers that he inspired you, straight yes, to your yeah, son inspired yeah, you yeah, yeah. to plant. As a mum, I, I suppose I'm looking for tips here, but you've been able to inspire your children to see the beauty of gardening, to make a career out of yeah, gardening. Yeah. So, so what advice would you give to parents in regards to letting their children romp through the garden or how do you pass on that, that joy? I think, uh, well, A, A, you have to get the joy, for, you have to have the joy first, so otherwise you can't pass it on. But B, I, when I was young, I suppose I was eight, I started in my first garden. My dad gave me a patch as big as this table which I made a total fool of myself, but I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Then we moved house, and it was, we moved to quite a substantial house. Not that my parents, we inherited it. My, my granddad worked for, as a farm worker for his family for most of his life. And when the, the old people died, the daughters, who were very close to my dad, granddad, left him his house. You mm. know? It, it was so big, it turned into a private hospital later on. Wow. But he had a big garden. And my dad said, allow me to plant in front of the hedges on the roadside, because it wasn't going to disturb his sort of scheme. And I remember planting beds of Russell lupins. And then I'd walk a mile up the road to catch the bus, so I could hear everybody go, ooh, ah, ooh. Well, clearly that hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and my dad was a really good gardener, and, and then I, I obviously, but I worked with my granddad in the end, and my uncle, my cousin, 
two aunts, a great aunt, on the nursery in England. Wow. So, and um, I, I, people had a different career in mind for me. They sort of thought I should become a teacher or something like that. Mm. I had no interest at all. But you are doing that, funnily yeah, enough, yeah, in, in the a end. different in way, way, yeah. Yeah, so, right. um, so I was blessed. I've done all my life the thing I would most love to do. All my life. Mm. You know, so, and I still love it. I mean, Chris sometimes talks about uh, an exit plan or retirement, and I, th- I just can't think about it. I cannot imagine not gardening and not working in a nursery. It, it all works in with, with your professional life and your personal life. Obviously, I have to ask, I think I know the answer, but you enjoy travelling? Oh. Not oh. so much. Chris does. No, I, when I was young, when I left England, I took, the, I, I, I took um, a lot of the circuitous routes. Um, I travelled for 15 months. Uh, it was the early 60s, and I hitchhiked through Europe, through Turkey, through Syria, Transjordan, as in Jerusalem, through Baghdad, Tehran, in, down through Baluchistan, into Quetta. Uh, you know, I, I just travelled. Mm. And, and I, I think I got it out of my system. Right, it sounds like you got it out of your system, yes. Yeah. I was a late starter. Yes. <laughs> so we do travel, and, and um, we like to, we go, and Chris wants to see galleries, I see gardens, so we sort of try, got it. try to, mm. do, to combine the two. And so do you have favourite gardens and galleries between the two of you? Well, my favourite gallery really uh, is the Pompidou Centre, and I didn't think I would like it, but I just can't tell you how wonderful the work is there. Why? Why do you connect with it? Well, it's interesting because we went to, we've been to see the the um, Musée d'Orsay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I love there. I, I yeah. loved it there, but then I think, well, looking at Chris's work and the way he's developed, I think my taste has developed too. I think for both of for us, both of us for both of us we seem to suddenly need something different and yeah. we found it at the Pompidou. Not mm. not the twenty first century paintings or the nineteen nineties or the, even the late nineteen eighties, but that you know, the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. And the surrealist works really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, Mon- the Mondrians we saw there, because I'd only seen Mondrians in reproduction. Mm-hmm. And when you see them, you know, there's something else, you know, when you see them. You, know. you see the paint. Yeah. And that woman at the Tate Modern, what was her name? Oh, yeah. Georgia O'Keeffe. Oh, yes, yeah, lovely. Yeah, well, oh, we, 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 we talk about dry gardens. Yeah, right. We, we saw um, the most extraordinary, sorry, retrospective at Tate Modern. Um, we booked from here. Uh, it was the last so, day in London when it opened. The last when we our, our last day in London was its first day opening. So we just, I mean, I'd always loved her work, but I'd actually not understood her genius until I saw that show. Mm. Right in front of you. And mm. it was extraordinary. Mm. was the only word. Like, you just came out and thought, well, that was a gift. Yeah, because you yeah. see the reproductions and the paint looks flat, chalky. In that, so I thought I wasn't going to like it. Mm. I thought yeah. it was going to be, But the paint is so beautiful. It's amazing. It's just beautiful. Is there a garden that you're attracted to or...? A favourite garden in the whole wide world? Um, well, Sissinghurst is one, but I think the, most, the, the one that made most impression was a small garden we saw 25 years ago. It was a nursery and they'd asked Pete Adolf or Udolf to design their garden. 
and it was a small garden. Was it green flower farm or something? Yeah, green flower farm. Mm -hmm. I think. And it was, we, it was just amazing. It was just absolutely, I thought, the best. It was the first garden. time we've really seen his work. Seen his work, yeah. yeah. And, and, and when I think you the small saw it, like you see it in books, but when you saw the actual planting, it was, it was really beautiful. So we sat there the whole day in this tiny garden. And and in a way, was it was it artistic, or was it the was it the the the, the way that he put colours together, or plants, or what was it that set your heart alight? Uh, Ed, I love the way he put the plants together. Mm. And I, I love think the it was the first time we'd seen grasses used so amazingly. Yeah, it wasn't was, it? Yeah. Like but really what, big grasses. Big grasses, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Grassy, it, it the wasn't whole grassy, thing, no, no. but it was that combination. And of it's grass, not plants that you could use here on the whole because there were plants from from more temperate climates. Mm. But it was just the way you put them together it's and the exuberance. It was exuberant, mm. just beautiful. Yeah. But I mean, with Sissinghurst, I, I love. I mean, when I taught Chrissy for the first time, I said, well, "Let's get there first." Yeah. Because we are members of the National Trust. Get there first and we'll race around before all the anoraks, you know, the bright yellow orange anoraks that come yes. around. And so we went through, we were the first team, went through under the, under the arch, go there and there's the purple bird on the left. Chrissy burst into tears, <gasps> crumbled herself onto the lawn as all the anoraks were <laughs> Islands in 86 but this was our first trip together visiting mm. gardens and I'd never seen gardens like that like that um, breadth mm. of gardening and walls of clematis like you know and then this beauty it was it was really quite overwhelming as a novice mm. um, and I must say, I well, I don't quite crumple, but I do get very teary and emotional mm. when I see, like the first time I saw mm. paintings at the Musée d'Orsay or um, in those days, what was it called, the Orangerie mm. in mm. Paris. You know, I had to politely walk into a little corner where people couldn't see me sobbing <laughs> because... Monet would... would entirely want that effect yeah. though he would be so yeah. pleased well th those paintings in the orangery i think are the closest i've seen to having a heartbeat yeah they just almost throb you know mm -hmm. they are extraordinary works and mm -hmm. so anything that is truly beautiful um just makes me feel incredibly emotional and isn't that lovely too sorry if i can i just say but isn't that just lovely that, in a way, David was able to bring that to you in, a, in a funny way? Introduce me to that. Yeah. And has ever since, um, Katrina, because um, really, I mean, I've, I've painted flowers for a long time, but until we met, I had not looked at flowers in the same way as I do now, which is with a different sort of appreciation. It's looking at the extraordinary, miraculous design. Mm. It, it is miraculous. I, I see it as being as close and as pure to, um, in design 
as anything you will find anywhere in nature. Do you have a favourite flower or section of the garden here? Well, it changes because the garden changes all the time. Um, I do adore clary sage, which was probably the first flower I loved when I met David and kept saying if I could be a flower, David, that's the one I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just any old clary sage. Right? No, no, well, darling, you'll have to tell us what, what exactly. Yeah. Well, the clary sage is, a, is Southeast Korea and it grows right through Southern Europe and it's, it's, it's pretty nice. But um, about no, 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 not this one. But thirty years ago, a guy called Jim Archibald, he was collecting seed in Turkey, and I was subscribed to it. And he sent me seed of this thing, and he called it Super Clary. Uh-huh. And um, and it's 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 so much better than the old kind of sage. It's uh-huh. the only one I grow, and it grows five feet tall, and it has beautiful columns of these. You describe the colours. Well, the, the colours are quite almost ethereal just these sort of strange murky pinks going into mauves and then these beautiful bracts that are sort of like a sagey green Mm -hmm. and there's just little tiny touches of other colors just on tips and things Mm -hmm. and and they're these just these beautiful huge spires of them and then they have these lovely big felty furry leaves at the base and you describe things dreamy. so differently. <laughs> quite, quite dreamy. Yeah. yeah. It is dreamy, yeah. really. Um, the, the and then I have to say that Mr. Glenn um, bred and named a geranium after me. Um, geranium Chris Canning. So, I mean... The highest <laughs> honour. And, and the most romantic gesture, <laughs> may I add. And, what uh, else can a poor nursery do? <laughs> and it, but it's so beautiful. I say the thing I love most about it is it glows at dusk. <laughs> just yeah. like your love. Just yeah. like your love. Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm quite surprised coming here today. You know, my mum and I spoke in the car and, and we, were asked, we were talking about all of these different um, plant questions, gardening questions. And yet I've arrived here and I'm leaving with this whole romantic tale. And in a sense, that's gardening too. Yeah. Um, yeah. To... Yeah. to it does it does fill the heart it makes your heart sing uh but david I, i've got to say I'm, I'm leaving here with a very different impression uh because i can see that both of your lives have been so enhanced of course by gardening but also mm. by so much each other as well yeah. and we're blessed really because we can both work from homes i should ask just to to wrap things up um uh what's your final advice for for those of us who who, who do buy from your catalogue, who are trying so hard to, um, uh, to, to have a beautiful garden throughout all the struggles, in my case, when somebody left the gate open and the sheep got in and they ate half the garden and I've got bore water and I'm so up against it. What's your advice to those of us who are trying? I just keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I once was asked, how, how do you learn to garden? And I, I quoted from Mao Zedong's Little Red Book. He said, here's a question, how do you learn to swim? And the only way you learn to swim is by swimming. And the only way you learn to garden is by doing it. Yeah. You make mistakes and they teach you. Make, you make, yeah, make mistakes. You know, yeah. Nobody can get it right. It's not, you know, it's, it, you just do it and it doesn't work. You, move, you pull it out and do something else. It makes me feel so much better to know that even you are challenged. 
and are learning alongside me. (laughs) You never can be sure. You know, you just, it's, it's, it's gardening and it's difficult. To make a beautiful garden is difficult, it's hard work. Mm. And you can make a lot of mistakes and a lot of things die. But mm. it's also when a little bit works, there's so much joy in it. You know? yeah. Yeah. Well, David and Chris, thank you so much for being generous with me today and, and all of us listening with Journeys to Come. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited, all the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com for full details.